Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, there's been a lot of ups and downs for sure over my career here. And uh, I just want to leave it all out there, you know, and that not just for me. I think it's a proven year for us as a team, as a unit. I think there's a lot that we're capable of, um, but that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. You know, we got to work for it. Got to prove it, prove it to each other and prove it to uh, the state. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. This week on social media, I saw a photo of what appeared to be the offense breaking huddle. Now, Dave has told me not to read too much into this, but I'm going to read way too much into this. <laughs> oh, welcome to the offseason. Uh, also with Mac. What's up, Redcasters? I'm just, uh, you know, unpacking this spring as it comes along, hoping you all had a really happy Easter. I know I had a good time. I didn't pull my hamstring like stupid Christmas. So, um <laughs> I feel so far 2021 is going a little bit better on the holiday end of things. <laughs> uh, all right. Also with Boomer. Well, I'm just excited to see uh, Baylor win the national championship in uh, basketball and come to the realization that they're, oh, about 10 years or so removed from the near-death penalty from the NCAA for player murder, drug dealing, and coaching cover-ups. And so that should give us in Nebraska ball hope. So there's always a chance, folks. <laughs> That's right. It's very true. It's actually a closer to 15 years now, I think, Boomer. But if Baylor can get it done, we can get it done, right? That's right. All right. Maybe there's a Nebraska-Creighton uh, you know, national championship game in our future. <laughs> That'd be about the equivalent. It was a bit of a letdown of a uh, championship game. But that semifinal between the Zags and UCLA were uh, – was a was a good one, Boomer. You know, I mean the the upstarts of Westwood, the Bruins, uh, couldn't quite get it done there. No, they, they were close too. But uh, don't worry, UCLA fans. I, I think you could have some hope that maybe good things are finally going to come your way in basketball. So just just continue to have hope too. <laughs> if we can do it, so can you. That's right. Well, Hunk, uh, we're not here to talk basketball. We're here to talk uh, football mostly. You know, we got some spring breakdowns. I'm looking forward to talking offense with you and Mac in particular. And uh, we also have an interview with a Husker superfan, right? Yeah, superfan Meg, at Hot Mess Husker on Twitter. Yeah, she uh, talked with her last night, and they're starting up, her and uh, Kylie are starting up a podcast, uh, Poppin' Colonels, and tonight they had their first guest, and it's quarterback coach Mario Verdusco, so that's not a bad way to start off. Uh, we haven't had any coaches on yet. That's a good debut. Yeah, we haven't asked any, but we probably should now that, you know, I'm seeing that. <laughs> I think we've talked about Super Mario Brothers on our podcast. Does that, does that kind of count? It's true. Sure. Uh, all right. Well, before we uh, hear that interview and uh, talk X's and O's for a spring ball, let's uh, get everybody up to date on roster management on both football and basketball fronts, Hunk. Yeah, well, let's start with basketball since we were just talking about that. And a couple of things have happened uh in the last week, and one of them was Doc Sadler has moved into the special assistant role to the head coach that was previously held by Bobby Lutz. 
And with him moving into that role, Nate Lenzer uh, has been added to the staff now as a full-time assistant. He's worked with Fred and on a couple of different occasions with the Bulls and with Iowa State. So it's someone that uh, he has a lot of connections with there. And then on the team, from a roster management standpoint, we have landed the commitment of 2021 Lithuanian center, and I'm going to let Boomer say it. Uh, is that uh, Oleg Kojanets you're referring to, the monkey? That's correct. Oleg Kojanets is... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Boomer's relying on his Polish uh, heritage there. Well, know. Nebraska's yeah. long had a pipeline to the Baltic states dating back since uh, you know, Carlos Ulmanis, the first <laughs> Latvian president, actually studied here. And uh, That's true. I believe if you go to the CBA building, there's a plaque in his memory there. So or It used to be in CBA, the old CBA building. Hockey, I'll have to fill us in on that. I'll do what I can. Thank you. Um He's a seven foot three star uh, player at the Western Reserve Academy in Ohio this season. And uh, actually, I thought something that was interesting was on Facebook, Brewmaster Bill responded. He said, I recall a former Iowa State player from Eastern Europe by the name of Julius Michalik, who played with Hoiberg. And, you know, just to kind of bring that connection that, uh, you know, this isn't uh, new territory for. Hoiberg to be going after those the European players like that. So we'll see what he, he does. I don't know if he looks sounds like he could be a little bit of a project. I don't think that he's probably immediately ready, you know, next year for Big Ten play, but sure. No, I, I hear you you there, Honk. Uh he has played for the Lithuanian national like under sixteen team. Um so he's got some international competition underneath his belt. Uh both of his parents played, I believe, at UNC Greensboro. So familiarity with uh playing stateside within the family. I would think that he fits really well into this offense. He is probably a bit of a project, but I would say that he probably, if he's a European big, that means he's going to run, uh, is mobile, um, but also has the height that we want. And so I, I see that as a good fit. Monkey, mm-hmm. did you say he's a seven foot three star or a seven foot three star? He's a seven foot. Three star. <laughs> oh, okay. Bummer. <laughs> he's still tall, though, Mac. I was like, whoa, he's, I'm like, 7'3". Dang. When was the last time we had a seven-footer on the roster? The first year wow. of Miles, he brought in somebody from Russia, if I remember right. And it, the guy was seven feet, never played. I mean, he was only here for like a year or two. And I, for the life of me, I can't remember that guy's name. But bringing uh, him in now, this four-person class for next year, has moved Nebraska ball into the top 15 in the 2021 rankings from 24-7. So I think we're at number 14 now nationally. That seems uh, new for us. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're third in the Big Ten, if I remember correctly, just behind the Michigans. What's the highest we've ever ranked? Uh, The highest we've ever ranked? I I have no idea, but Boomer's correct. I mean, we're third in their rankings, at least, behind both of the Michigans. I would say within the modern recruiting ranking era, Mac, this will be the highest ranked class of all yeah. time um incredible back in the you know early to mid 90s when we would have had strickland and those guys all in one class boone um probably at least as high because that's those are four-star guys across the board and think about that dave that this is probably our highest rated class at the same time that from the in-state perspective we have an amazing in-state crop of kids and we really didn't get any of them yeah that's right you have hepburn going up to wisconsin and of course you have uh, Salas going to Gonzaga, but I think we're in as good as I think we can possibly be right now with that trout from Grand Island, uh, the six nine guy. So he's a year from now. So uh, you know, hopefully that maybe can you know end the uh, streak of us not getting these in state kids. I'd love to to get him here. Absolutely, and I you know uh, 
you know, touch on that coaching change a little bit, Honk. Seems like a good move. You have a situation there where Doc is, you know, definitely still the defensive-minded guy on this staff, uh, but he can do that on the, the whiteboard. He can't really coach in practices or on the floor during games, but he's still in those meeting rooms. He's still in uh, kind of designing the defensive schemes for this team, so it still fits his, his role quite well. And you bring in uh, Nate Lenzer, and he has a long relationship with Hoiberg, uh, trusted um, in the inner circle and known for player development in particular. Um, so much so that Horberg brought him along from Iowa State uh, into the Chicago Bulls organization. He, I believe, was the head coach or an assistant coach for the, the G League team the first year. The Windy City Bulls. Right. And that's all about player development, right? I mean, that is mm-hmm. what you're there for. And uh, some of the accolades that uh, Zach Levine and, and other Bulls have uh, praised uh, Lenzer on while he was there, even after Horberg left, um, is you know, s- strong support for his ability to, to develop players to get to the next level. And so when you step back and you think about a situation here where we're having Bryce, Bryce McGowan's come in, you also have Trey McGowan's, someone like Delano Banton with NBA potential, right? but maybe really needs to refine some skills that will would show up on the basketball court uh, in the next season. You now have uh, a new coach here known for player development that could bring someone like uh, Banton along and maybe have him play at a level that really makes a difference maker for next year's season. To transition over to roster management on the football side, a couple of things have happened in the last week. Tight end Kurt Raftel, he entered into the transfer portal. The only surprise I have is the timing of it all. Normally, guys will do this at the beginning of the semester, at the very end. Uh, he did it after one or two practices, which probably says that he was getting a feeling just that early into it that uh, maybe some of those new guys, Thomas Fedoni, maybe those guys are starting to take some of the, the snaps away, and he's making the move already. He's not the only tight end to talk about right now because – we received a couple of recruits already from the 2022 and 2023 classes. And in 2023, we did get the Pierce tight end, Ben Brommer. So he commits. He's the first uh, Pierce player since Matt Herrian, also a tight end for what it's worth uh, to commit. So we have him now. And we also got a surprise commit from 2022 in wide receiver Victor Jones. So uh, that's now two players from the 2022 class, Jones and uh, Ernest Hausman from Columbus. You know, Mac, looking at Victor Jones, um, if Redcast Rob was on here, he'd be all over uh, Vic Jones because of his speed. He posted a personal record, what, 10.68, I think it was, in the 100 meters. So Pretty good top end. That's like a Raiders guy to fall in love with the top end speed. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's where I was going, Mac. <laughs> you know, that guy kind of came out of left field on – no one was really predicting anything about that. It's nice to see this class – you know, getting a little momentum, and it's kind of, you know, not just this class, but the, the, the one right after, too. You know, fits the type that we're going for. He's a little bit longer, you know, a little bit bigger. He's still a downfield threat, so that part's holding up. And then um, the cat from, from Pierce, that tight end from Pierce, you know, it, would it kill the state to produce an outside linebacker you know, from time to time? <laughs> it's like, my goodness, like we're getting premier tight ends, and I really think these guys are premier tight ends, mm-hmm. and that's great. We need to get them all, but... Like our cup runneth over 
on tight ends right now. Yeah. You know, like I guess I guess this is what this is the state's response to the frost offense and not having fullbacks. Can we get is, an end is, rusher getting, of some sort, right? We're yeah. getting them a little taller and turning them into tight ends. Well who knows? Maybe Houseman could be that outside guy if he grows into it. Indeed. Right. And at tight end, what's interesting is, you know, we hear all about the Omaha kids that aren't coming here, but two of them this year are basically tight end kind of guys. And look, we're at a spot where we just brought in Fedoni. We just brought in Carney. We brought in Rollins, and now we're bringing in a year from now, Brommer. Look, why is a kid not coming here from Omaha? It, it could be for a number of reasons. It might be because in those two guys' situation, that the position looks pretty full right now here. So this staff has done a, a really good job, you know, recruiting that spot. There's no doubt about that. And this state, to your point, Mac, is doing a really good job of producing that position. And now, scoring explosion: the offensive breakdown. All right, we are talking about scoring explosion, our offensive breakdown of spring 2021. And, Mac, let's start with the QB room. We have this guy called Adrian Martinez. I think he might be our starting quarterback next year. I don't know, man. But we also have a couple other guys we really want to see out there in spring practice, Logan Smothers, Heinrich Harburg. And even a few walk-ons, I suppose. But obviously, we, we've heard from Adrian already this spring. Uh, it looks like he slimmed down a little bit. We've talked about his fluctuation in, in uh, kind of weight over the last couple of years. Do you, you like the idea of a slimmer, leaner Adrian Martinez? Yeah, Adrian, the truth, Martinez, right? <laughs> the, keys to, the keys to a successful season. Yeah, he looking slimmer, you know, Feeling more explosive, you know. I don't think last year that was his biggest problem. Certainly, his his sophomore year, I think he had a he ballooned up too much. But, but yeah, I, you know, him being lean back there and, and ready to go, I think that's obviously a good sign. It's absolutely going to be. It, it'll be interesting this year to see how he competes in spring, knowing that it's fully his job. Whereas last year, you know, he had McCaffrey pushing him too. So you hope he's had that year of maturity. You'd, gosh, I get it. You'd hope so that he won't need this guy pushing him to to give his best effort. So if that's the case, then, you know, maybe he looks as a leader, which, you know, clearly he is. We need to really bring along the next guy regardless, whoever it's Smothers, if it's if it's Maddie Masker or whatever. You know, Verduska always talks very highly of the other guys. So um, we we could probably use three good guys to go. And, you know, that's part of Adrian's job as a captain, as a leader. You know, his his job's pretty secure. So it's the backup. That's the question mark. Adrian's come back. He's a bit of a vet. So is Logan after having a year under his belt and then Matty Masker. Um, and uh, Heinrich Hartberg is, is doing a nice job, uh, both in terms of how he tested out and uh, getting a chance to operate the system. He's doing pretty good. Well, Honky, before we talk about those backups, um, you know, one reason you might be concerned about Adrian going into his, his fourth year is his turnover problems. And Mario Verduzco talked about how he just needs to hold on to the freaking ball. No more freaking turnovers. Um, and that'd be one way that he's going to keep those those other guys off the field, though, right? Yeah, I mean, that, out of the quarterback spot, the turnovers have just been a killer. After this segment, you're going to listen to the interview I did with Superfan Meg, and they were talking with Verduzco tonight. And one of the questions I'm curious if they ask him, it was something I was talking with her about, was there's this narrative that we have to go out and get a transfer portal quarterback after the spring. And we very well could. I'm not saying we wouldn't. But these next 15 practices or, you know, the spring practice that we're in right now, 
seems really important. Like, I don't think it's a just a no-brainer guarantee that we're going to go after somebody. Because I, I don't always know that there's going to be someone in the portal just waiting to come here to back up Martinez. But it's that development of those backup guys is just so crucial, so key. Smothers and Harburg have to be put in uncomfortable game-type positions during spring ball as many times as possible. We need to stress them and see what they do when they have you know, the live bullet, so to speak, flying around them. You have to be able to get some kind of gauge where are those guys at because you know what you're going to get out of Martinez right now. You just want to get a better version of Martinez next year. That's what you want out of him, out of your starter, your fourth-year guy. But those two backups, man, any moment they could be on the field and you've got to know that you can – count on them to be able to run the offense. It's as simple as that. If, if you don't have a feeling that you can do that, then yeah, we're hitting the portal in May. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing right now. I don't I don't love the idea of us feeling like we have to hit the portal, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, Mac. I mean, it feels like the uh, kind of escape pod version of the, the QB portal would have been Terry Wilson. I think last week he finally did land at, was it New Mexico? Yep. And so um, that that would have been the, the, the ideal <laughs> um, right. transfer because, uh, you know, he would have had familiarity with coaches just because of the long recruiting process he's gone through and, and proven commodity at a Power 5 school. Um, but, hey, wasn't to be so to hockey's point i just don't know who's going to be out there at this point in the qb portal so your our, our best option is to see logan smothers right um preferably um really develop nicely over the next uh, month and we see him may 1st at the spring game looking like he uh he could you know play in the fall yeah and you know what you have to hope too is with the rise of the other position groups getting better that the quarterback position's not so crucial that it has to be a one-man show like Adrian's had to do it so you know if, if the supporting cast is better it'll make that job a little bit easier and there's just no there's no question about it one of those two guys Smothers or Masker probably not Hendrick but they're gonna play they're gonna have to play Adrian's not gonna make it through the whole year you know at some point he's gonna get dinged up and knocked out you know it's just gonna happen or he's gonna you know lose his helmet so I don't know. You like what's the right answer? Sure, if the perfect quarterback's waiting in the wings at the end of spring, you go get him. But I mean, that's going to be that's just so difficult to project. You know, like it could be it could be read so many different ways. Hopefully, we have a good spring. You know, but even bringing in somebody afterwards, it's like that's no guarantee that we've addressed the issue of a backup. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about some of those other positions that maybe take the pressure off of the quarterback, whoever it is, and uh, let's talk about the running back room. Right, we've got six guys in there that are on scholarship. Uh, Marquis Step is um, in for spring here. The transfer from USC, uh, Gabe Irvin, our true freshman quarterback, or true freshman running back, is also in. And then uh, guys like Sevian Morrison, Scott Johnson, uh, all all here. So uh, Mac, what are you hoping to see from that room over the next month? I'm just hoping to hear a lot of guys' names being brought up and not just a few or not hearing like somebody else needs to, you know, he's starting to figure it out or, you know, he's just got to be more consistent. I'm tired of hearing about that from our running back. So I want to hear about which guys are looking good, which guys he feels comfortable can go in at any time. And I feel like that's Held's position. He hasn't had that the entire time he's been here. And there's been a very, you know, various reasons why that's happened. But at this point, he's got a stable of running backs. They're all in for spring. He can run them into the ground and see who's ready to go. There's going to be a little more contact. At least that's what we're led to believe. There's going to be more contact this spring. So he should have a pretty good idea of who's protecting the ball, 
who's going into contact properly, who's running through the smoke, like he likes to say. So um, I'm excited about that position. I feel like that could be that could be one of those things that nobody is predicting for the Huskers is to have a really strong running back position, and we could. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Honky, would you just lump all six of those in as the same same mold, or do you really see like two camps? You know, maybe with the more power back and then the you know shiftier type backs. Well, you know, there's different styles between them. Ramir Johnson's not the same player as Step, as an example. So we do have, you know, a little bit of variance there. But I would say that across the board, this is a bigger group of backs. There's no Miles Jones kind of guy or Maurice Washington or, or the real small scat back kind of guys that are in this bunch. These are some dudes that, that are going to look like Big Ten backs. And, you know, Ryan Held, he made the statement. He goes, we've got to get more production out of that position. We have to. We've got to be able to run the ball and be consistent in seeing our cuts and being able to really be an asset to our offense. And I would say that that's what I want to hear right now. I think that's what the Redcast wants to hear. And the three kind of takeaways so far from spring that the coaches are saying that are things I want to hear are we need to limit those mistakes. I mean, that's what this spring is all about, cut down those mistakes. They have made a a point time and time again about special teams needing to get those fixed and running backs need to run the ball. You want to cut down the mistakes of Adrian that we were just talking about with the QB spot, have the ball in his hands less often and have the ball in the hands of the running backs more often. It's it's about as simple as that. You know, this is the time right now in spring, these guys, they need to be challenged. They need to, they're going to take hits and stuff like Mac was saying, and, and we need the physicality in practice today because, you know, these guys, they're going to have to prepare for what that's going to be. And I will say this too. I, Right now, I'm not that concerned about trying to make a one through six right now. Who's? It doesn't even matter to me. It's just I want to see all six getting snaps and letting it play out through competition. You know, obviously Gabe and Marquise are the two new guys uh, that, that have come in. And, uh, you know, it just takes time. You know, it just takes time to be able to learn, you know, how, you know, where the what's happening pre-snap, what's happening post-snap, where the ball might hit, where our pass protections are, the timing of screens. Uh, you got to be able to do a lot as a running back here. Uh, and so it just takes time. You can't speed up time. So it's good that, that uh, the guys are getting plenty of reps and, uh, you know, we'll continue to, to watch the film. They need to watch film on their own because I can't get through every single play due to the, the hour rules. But, uh, you know, what does it mean to you? You're going to take more time to, to be a student of the game? Um, because those are the guys that are going to have the best chance of uh, putting themselves in position to be successful. I wouldn't be surprised by any guy's names of the of those kind of the front four that we listed: Step, Sevion, Scott, and um, even Ronald Tompkins. You know, I, I wouldn't rule him out just yet. So, to your point, Hunk, I don't care whoever's producing, get out there and play. And we're going to need all of them anyway. It's a you know, like that's one of those positions when people start talking about depth charts. Like that's the one that who cares what the starting running back is? It's so immaterial anymore. That's the thing, and you hear people are like, oh, Ramirez number six right now. Well, how do you know? Depending on the game plan, right? You know, <laughs> we'll see what he does. You know, get him the reps. Let's see him in the spring game too, and maybe he's the number one running back. I I don't know that I have a big differentiator right now between one and six. I see six guys out there that have all about produced the same amount on the field for us at this point. So, you know, they're all kind of starting from even level ground. And uh, other than, you know, certain people anointing step already as the starter, short of that, I mean, it, to me, it's a, it's a hodgepodge of guys, and that's what competition's about right now. I can't wait to see um, how they get through this. And, and really, we've said along, all along, we need kind of a top three. We need three guys that can go 
20 carries a game in any given time. That's what Big Ten depth looks like. That's what we need. Uh, there isn't a uh, bell cow, so to speak. We're gonna we're gonna find who those those guys are gonna be because we can't just have one guy. We got to have multiple guys that can execute our offense. Obviously, when it's all said and done, we get ready to play Illinois. It'll shake itself out, but uh, um, I'm not ready to anoint anybody yet. That's the beauty of spring ball. There's a lot of opportunity for uh, good reps and getting guys better. Well, let me ask this question then. I mean, with six guys all kind of across the board there. Um, is there a chance of, you know, with everyone getting so many reps that it, it's harder to identify and really maybe get, um, a three or four that are, are clearly ready to be bell cows, quote unquote, uh, next year? Would you be better off if, if you could give Step and Irvin and Scott most of the reps this spring and, and you really see them battling it out to, to be number one and two. I mean, is there any sort of disadvantage in having a kind of a level playing field with all six? That's an interesting point. You know, the, the way I've always been led to believe that they run practice is they, they get so many reps that there's enough reps to go around to see all these guys perform. And, uh, you know, the key, especially with these new guys, is when the play's going, uh, is to get – we should get two reps every time. The, the person actually doing it and the guys that aren't in should be getting a mental rep. But it's but you know at, at a certain point there's only a finite amount of first team reps going against a really good D to see who's ready to go. Mm-hmm. So you know, but that's what spring is kind of for too. At the same time, it's like all right, proving ground this spring. You know, make it close, make your arguments for the fall, and then probably in fall is probably when you'll start seeing that separation of guys that can really do it. Now, if we've got a stable of backs that can do it, I guess that's a good problem to have. You know, I, I'm a rhythm running back kind of guy. That's what I like. I like a guy to get in a you know, 17 to 20 carry game. But, you know, those just might be, uh, you know, a thing of the past, at least for the near future. Yeah. We talk about non-negotiables and certain things. And I think the the coaches have non-negotiables when they're working with these players in practice. There are certain things that we just can't afford to see. And if some guy, even in limited uh, snaps and reps, if he's fumbling the ball, or if he's dropping passes, or if he's missing the block on a pass protection, those kinds of things, you probably are not going to get a lot of opportunities, even in spring, to make that mistake too many times before you're just going to get passed up. So that is one part of having six guys, and that's one part about having competition. All I know is that at this point, we haven't seen any of these backs do any of those things well or not well, you know, and yeah. so. I, I start to see people coming up with their, you know, one through six. And I'm like, well, where are you coming up with this other than it's just in your head? It, it, right now, one through six means nothing to me until uh, we actually get to see a little bit of this uh, and hear more from the, the coaches on what they're seeing. Yep. No, good good point, Hunk. Well, um, a, a position that does have a, more starting opportunities is a wide receiver room, right? Uh, you're not looking at just one or two running backs there or one or two players. You definitely have – a stable of wide receivers that we want to have out there. And um seems like there's some, some real positives coming out of some folks we expect, um, such as uh, Betts and Samari Ture, but also Will Nixon is a name that's been popping up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Levi Falk uh, brought Nixon's name up as he brought his name up and, and Martin and Ture and said that those four are really the leaders in that room. And uh, that was kind of an interesting thing to me. Nixon is a son of an NFL coach, uh, and I guess that you know he's helping teach teammates things that they didn't know. Uh, so that's what we're starting to kind of hear out of that room. And, yeah, the depth is there. 
the sizes there. God, Chaz in SoCal posted something on Twitter about the size, and he he listed every single re- receiver we have right now, and then even had to do a second tweet to post some of the walk-ons that we have. Even those guys are all six two and taller. It's amazing the transformation in that room that's gone on in just the last two years. Because you know, remember Mac when we talked with Sipple just you know a year and a half ago, Sipple was talking about how he had coaches calling him before that 2019 season or right at the beginning of it, coaches were calling him going, how are these guys so small and and referring to the receivers? So to go from that, the J.D. Spielman and Wandell year and all that, Mm -hmm. to where we are now is what a transformation. Yeah, and it's probably, you know, just a matter of what you're focused on getting, you know, what you think is right for your program. So they've they've done a good job of that. And it's across the board, and you're hearing good things. And I know this is the the season for hearing good things, but but there's also been bad news. But you're hearing good things about guys like Betts, and like those mm-hmm. are the kind of things that make my ears perk up because he's one of those guys. If you you know follow the message boards or his kind of recruiting, he's always one of those guys. You, he, he seems like well, he's got a lot of potential if he puts it all together. He's like an Isaiah Roby, you know. Does he even know how good he is? Kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like. You know, that it, maybe that's the mentorship of, of Toure, and who's also helping, you know, Omar Manning come along. It's not just on paper that we look good. There's We have legitimate athletes in that in that room. You know, can they put it together? Let's see. But, I mean, I we have legitimate athletes playing wide receiver uh, mismatch issues and, and deep threat issues that, you know, man, it's exciting to think about. I hope, I hope. It's too early yet. I'm sorry, guys. I'm getting too excited. <laughs> <laughs> you can't help it, Max. You can't help it. And Lubick coming back here for a second season, which, of course, that was in doubt a month or two ago when, when that Montana position opened up. But having our wide receivers coach back, our offensive coordinator back, uh, to work with these guys for a second season, I think that's huge for that continuity. I think they're, you know, I didn't get a chance to go through a whole year with them and, and in off seasons, I think they've gotten a lot more familiar with me as opposed to last spring and, and me with them and and not just the players, but with the coaches as well. And I think the more time you spend with each other and uh, learn uh, to communicate with each other, which is a big key to being successful in this business, the better things go. And you know, I'm grateful that I've got a full year underneath my belt now. And yeah, I mean, I, I expect to see a pretty veteran group of guys out there playing and and I think we're going to have some matchup issues, uh, some matchup problems for defense. Uh, you start to add the tight ends into that too, and that, that can even just further exemplify, I guess, some of those uh, uh, matchup issues. And all those things go back to helping Martinez, the, the start of this entire conversation. All those components go back to helping him out to make him a better quarterback. And so uh, I really like what we're seeing on the outside. Yeah. Well, let's talk about another position uh, that needs to prove it, and those are the tight ends. Right, um, could be a lot of emphasis in the passing game with the tight ends, with the the depth that we have in that position. You have returners, you've got got the young bucks coming in. Uh, got to be excited about the tight end room across the board, right? Yeah, you know, Mac. I think of Austin Allen, and that dude. Not only is he a leader in the room, but and he almost doesn't get the chatter about him right now because you know we're talking so much about Fedoni coming in and and even Vokalek, you know, growing a Jack Stoll mullet, but. Austin Allen, I mean, to me, it starts with that dude. And that dude is an all-conference eligible kind of player. I mean, he could be on the Mackey Award preseason list easily. Yeah, I would definitely look on for his name on a few of those lists when the preseason magazines come out. Last year, I think he took the backseat of Jack Stoll because Jack was what has been the leader of our group. And you can tell now that he's really taken over the group. 
Uh, and then he's really emerged. Um, you could talk to Coach Frost about it, but he's really emerged as, as one of our captains on offense. I don't know how that's going to play out later on, but just the first two days and then all through winter conditioning, you can tell he was the guy that was organizing, uh, leading the group. Uh, guys that doesn't have, they didn't have energy in their period uh, today. Austin, you know, got those guys going, and then we picked up the pace a little bit on offense. So I see him emerging as being one of the leaders uh, on our offensive side of the ball. I think I think he's actually. A- a possible future star, and what a great kind of launching pad as we kind of transition into this more tight end heavy offense that we're probably going towards. Like you said, that room is is really deep. It's you know it's Austin Allen. It, you know who knows what Chris Hickman's going to do, but I think he'll probably flex in and out of that position. You've got the new guy with Fedoni. You've got Travis Vokalek, who you know, and they're huge. Everybody's huge. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 just an interesting. They're athletic and. Like Austin Allen's catch radius is ridiculous. I mean, what is he six six eight six nine? Yep, six eight, I believe. Yeah. Think about that catch he had against Iowa, Mac. Yeah. along the sideline. I mean, that's nuts to make that. So you know, and then having the young guy Fedoni push him at the same time. I mean, the the size and height that we are building on this team on both sides of the ball is crazy. I mean, it's, at a certain point, this has got to pay dividends. These guys have been, you know, especially with the. With the experience that now Vokalix had, this will be his like third year here, but, you know, just his second year playing. Austin's been here a long time now. You know, they're going to be great mentors for those young guys coming in. You know, Carney's. You know, I've heard he's already making plays in practice, so that's a deep position. You know, when when you hear about other in-state tight ends wanting to go someplace else, it's not a big mystery why. That's going to be a tough room to crack. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm I'm looking forward to it. That's that's really going to be fun uh, to see the tight end position evolve across football is amazing for us to actually kind of really embrace that and and the idea that this is like the, a little bit of the new hybrid idea, right? I think is really cool uh, and it fits apparently what we're producing in state. So if we could, could continue to do that, um, that could be an area of strength for us for years to come. Speaking of areas of strength uh, with uh, Nebraska recruiting, that should be the offensive line, right, Honky? Um, and, um, you know, we have a lot of returners on that offensive line. We're also trying to look for another guard probably, but there's some experience there. So um, what are you expecting to see from from that group this spring? Coach Austin, he credited some changes that Frost has made with practices. Uh, quote, he said, uh, he's allowed us to really emphasize finishing. It's been really cool to see us playing until the end of the whistle with less emphasis on going fast. And, you know, Mac and I, we've been to so many of these uh, coaches clinic practices over the course of the year. So we've got to see how Solich practiced versus how Callahan did versus Pelini versus Riley and now uh, Frost, and they all do things a little differently. Some coaches, you know, Callahan, if you remember, Mac, they never stopped and taught anything. They just moved on because we'll catch it all in film, and that's how we'll do it. Polini's practices were like, after every play, 12 coaches running on the field, mass chaos, everyone screaming. I don't know how you learned anything. But, you know, Frost practices have been so fast, fast. Let's keep moving, move and pace. And to hear that from Austin, I think that's a big statement there, that he's allowing us to play to the whistle and maybe slow down a little bit when you think about teams that make mistakes. And I, it's one of the reasons I keep hitting on the, the huddle thing a little bit. Like Every once in a while, if you huddle once or twice a game, it's not the worst thing. If you can eliminate communication errors, learn to play the, to the uh, whistle, eliminate mistakes. 
No, absolutely. I mean, that would make a huge difference. I don't know how many times we still have seen um, just last year the offense with a costly penalty, whether that's a false start or a hold, which sometimes felt mysterious, right, Boomer? But um, if we could clean up those those type of mistakes, uh, our drives continue, and we don't uh, have first and 20s, we don't have early punts, we don't have field position um, being lost, and that's how you can win games. Yeah, think about that first half against Northwestern. We're driving, and at one point, I think all five offensive linemen had at least one penalty against them. And we were driving the ball. We're moving it down the field on the the West champions and uh, at relative ease, and we would just find ways to shoot ourselves in the foot. And it was on the O-line then. Now, that was a young line, right? We were starting guys. and Yeah. Chaz and SoCal posted something, and I, I wanted to highlight this. And he talked about the young offensive line depth. Right now, we have – Three fifth-year seniors, uh, Brock Bando, uh, Matt Sichterman, Trent Hickson. Uh, Hickson might be a starter this year. He may. Uh, the other two, probably not. Fourth-year guy, we have Cam Jurgens. We have quite a few third-year guys this year now. Ben Hart, Banks, Piper, uh, Nuuli, uh, Ezra Miller, Fritzky, and Lynn. We have two second-year guys, Turner Corcoran and Alex Kahn. And then uh, the three first-year guys that are all here right now, Henry Lutovsky, uh, Prochaska and Jaeger, but um, it's still young. I mean, the vast majority of our starters are going to be in that third year or less, but I, I do feel like at least we're, we're gaining an experience now. Yeah, Mac, it seems like uh, out of the five positions, the, the guard, one of the guard spots seems to be the one that's still in question. Who, what's your best sense on who ends up starting um, against Illinois? That's a good question. You know, and I was I was thinking about what you were saying, Honk, you know, but this, you know, slowing down and going into play instead of going to warp speed. We're kind of just trying to be efficient. And, and as, you know, that really does need to be our offense. It's not the, – the curveball should be the, the warp speed. That shouldn't be our base. Our base should be fundamental football all the way through, and then mm-hmm. we throw in the warp speed as a curve. And I feel like we're kind of putting the cart before the horse on that. You know, getting back to the guard – uh, position, you know, how nice is it that we have a competition going on that side of the ball? Sure. You know, any combination of of Piper or Hickson, really any guys, maybe Bank slides over there. I don't really have a problem with any of it. It's kind of one of those positions like running back to me. I don't have a strong sense of who it should be. I just think whoever ends up being will probably be the guy who uh, had to have earned it, right? Because I feel like at least we have enough guys in there that the competition is going to be good. So whoever gets to start will have earned it. There's guys like Brent Banks, Jimmy Fritchie's coming along well, you know, um, the surprise guy, Nuri, you know, uh, transfer from uh, Colorado State, you know, he's, he's stepping out there as well. Um, Ezra Miller is stepping out there as well. Um, you know, so we, we got a nice little stable of tackles and, uh, you know, Teddy's impressed me thus far, Teddy Prohaska, you know, so, you know, we got a lot of, a lot of young blood out there that, uh, that can mix it up. Well, you know, Chaz followed up. Uh, we were going back and forth on Twitter, and he followed up with uh, how many combined career games played uh, that this offensive line had a year ago. And remember, at that time, we had both Farniak and Hymas, who had a boatload of games under him, but also Bo Wilson started some of those early games last year, too. So combined career games played. He figured this out. In game one, it was 111 games last year. By game seven, it was 104 games that our offensive line had played. And then by game eight, when we lose Hymas and replace him with Corcoran, that number went down to 71 games. 
And now in 2021, assuming Piper is our fourth starter, he said, if we have Bando starting, we will have 57 games played. <laughs> if it's Hickson, that would be 56. And if it's newly 45. And then any other, it was 37. So I still believe this offensive line is more, we're getting to the point where we're more experienced and we're certainly deeper than we've been in the past. Yet those numbers he just gave show that even though we're getting older now, you know, with some more experience of these young guys, we're still young, <laughs> even compared to last year when you lose Farniak and Hymas. That's just that's just the way it is. But, you know, I, I, I love the talent that we have there. I do like the depth. I think of a guy like Prochaska. For three straight years, we brought in a top 100 offensive tackle. And the last two seasons with Corcoran and Benhart, we've really – relied on counted on those guys probably playing at some point or we thought that we needed that and this year with Prochaska I don't think we need that I you know it would require injuries or something for Prochaska to get onto the field and that's a good thing I I, we don't need to be relying on true freshman (laughs) offensive linemen needing to play no matter how good you are I don't care if you're ranked number three in the country doesn't matter that's a, a sign of progress to me no, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you're right. I mean, there is other programs out there, even top flight programs that still have uh, freshmen or, or retro mm-hmm. freshmen starting offensive line, but it's because they have earned that and um, they're that highly regarded, right? So, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're building to that and uh, you have to earn your spot. And uh, the fact that we have competition uh, at so many positions is, is a good sign. All right, let's uh, listen to that interview with Meg, Honk. We have a special guest tonight, Redcasters, another in the line of our Husker influencers like Chaz and SoCal, Huskies, Husker Hype, and Jim in Minnesota. You can find her at Hot Mess Husker on Twitter and soon as one half of the Popping Kernels podcast. Welcome to the Redcast, Meg. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, before we get started, tell the Redcasters a little bit about what the Popping Kernels podcast is all about and who your first guest will be. Yeah, so Poppin' Kernels is a podcast I'm working on with my friend Kylie. Um, She's a grad student at the university, so she's kind of created this and is producing it as part of her professional project. So we're both passionate about kind of amplifying women voices in sports, and Nebraska has great female sports fans that are super underrepresented in this state right now and really kind of looking forward to connecting with more of them through the podcast. So, I mean, dudes can listen too. you're more than mm-hmm. welcome, but the main aspect and the unique aspect of our podcast is definitely that it's sports from a female perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to call the Redcast out here. When I contacted you over a month ago, before I even knew about the popping kernels thing, it was, Hey, we've never had a female guest on the show. And there's so many out there on Twitter. So many great yeah, ones that that's we, inter- awesome. we interact with so many of them every day. And it's like, well, and why have we never had anyone on our show? I guess, you know, that was one of the reasons I wanted to chat with you is that, you know, so many times on Twitter, the, the Redcast, we've been critical of people on it that are just negative to be negative. We sent a tweet out today with somebody's responding to a player that's tagged in it. And then they're, they're being negative to the player. And it's, there's so much negativity, but when, when I've interacted with you, you're like this beacon of positive light, you know, in this cesspool of negativity sometimes. So uh, you like to make people laugh, you know, after losses and players leaving the transfer portal and strange Oklahoma news days, we can't have enough of laughing right now. And I'm reading your description and it says Husker fan. I tweet about sports a lot. I like red beer, red meat and red dirt country. 
Uh, so tell us a little bit more about Meg. You know, where are you from and how did you become a Husker fan? So, I mean, I was born and raised in Nebraska, so I became a Husker fan at birth. But also, I like to say that I accepted the Huskers into my heart when I was nine years old, watched the Miracle in Missouri. Okay. That was my first moment of my own fandom. Before then, it was just people telling me that I liked the Huskers, and that was fine. And mm-hmm. they were winning national championships, and it was fun. And then we would all go run around the house and celebrate. But that was the moment that I specifically remember sitting there watching like, shit, I love football. <laughs> so that's kind of the backstory on that, I guess. Yeah. I think there's a lot of that uh, being said that day, the Missouri game. I mean, and we've talked about it on the show before too, and this is where I, I hope that the young generation of fans right now that haven't experienced those moments yet, those moments are so important to Husker fans. And Dave has brought that up on our show a number of times where those are the things that all it takes is one of those one big win, one big kick, you know, that something that happens and boom, a young kid can be a Husker fan for life. You know, it's like getting married. You have to take the good and the bad that comes with being <laughs> yeah. a Husker fan. And right now we're going through some of the bad, but we hope it's getting better. In fact, right yeah. now it's spring ball and, mm-hmm. you know, spring there's, that's always where that new optimism comes. We start to hear about new players. You'll get a chance to talk to coach Verduzco tomorrow. Uh, night about you know the quarterback situation and everything offense defense where are you excited to kind of uh, see where the Huskers are are progressing Thomas Fedoni that's my whole that's the start (laughs) middle end of my answer no I'm really looking forward actually just to seeing us hopefully get tight ends more involved on the offense in general and just seeing how Adrian Martinez progresses as a senior Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to talk to coach Verdu too, and just see kind of his thoughts on the quarterback room. And it's different than we've had in a few years. Whereas Adrian is very likely the clear starter without somebody that's challenging him as much as we've had and kind of some newcomers. So I'm excited. You know, coach Frost, when he came here, he talked about how ideally he'd like to have five quarterbacks in that room, which that's a big quarterback room. Most schools don't come close to, you know, trying to keep five. It's hard to keep three happy, but, uh, you know, right now, kind of the narrative that you see on social media over the off season is that it's a foregone conclusion. We have to get a transfer portal quarterback after spring. And we've kind of said the last month or two, I'm not sure that that's a foregone conclusion. I think a lot of that depends on what happens in these next, you know, 15 practices. And again, you're going to get a chance to talk with coach Produsco about that, how uh, Smothers develops, how Harburg looks that plays a big role in where you feel you, if you need to add someone or not. I, Martinez, four-year starting quarterback. I mean, I like the room right now. I really do. We just need a little bit of luck and not have guys get injured. Right. And ideally, we have a lead in some of the early games and can get some of the younger guys some playing time. Because mm-hmm. then you don't feel quite as scared about all of it, right? Because yep. these guys have had some actual in-game experience and you're not just going about it blind. Yeah, Everyone wants to have a, a really experienced backup QB. That would be wonderful. The realities are when you look at most of the teams that are even making it to the playoffs, most of them don't have that. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I know there were some people that were saying, oh, we need to go and get Terry Wilson, and who isn't going to come here now. He's going somewhere else. He's going like New Mexico, I think. And the whole point was, why would somebody transfer into a backup situation? I We may get a transfer, but I have no reason why we just think that naturally some kid's going to want to come here because to your point, it's pretty clear who the starter is going to be. I can't imagine someone transferring in here 
honestly thinking that they're going to be a starting quarterback at Nebraska next season. Right. And with all the players transferring in and out of every program, kids aren't transferring to go somewhere and not start. So (laughs) that seems kind of ridiculous to me to think that, oh yeah, let's just go out here and get somebody else who wants to come here and sit on the bench that they can't do that at the school they're at already. Yeah. 1500 kids are in the transfer portal and all 1500 of them think they're going to be starting somewhere. It's right. We're living in crazy land a little bit. Um, Defensively, obviously we have a team that comes back with nine, 10 starters really from the end of last season, a lot of experience. Uh, There's a lot of optimism there. The super six seniors as coach Frost called them last week that chose to come back uh, when they could be already, you know, gone or, or could have transferred also out if they wanted to, to someplace else. Uh, they must feel like there's something good going on with Coach Shenander on the defensive side. What do you think about when you look at the black shirts? Yeah, I'm excited for the defense. I mean, I think, like you said, they wouldn't have come back if they weren't looking to prove something or if they weren't looking to, you know, have one more year of experience together. And I hear the word culture thrown around a lot about how maybe it's not good. Like maybe things are really bad right now, but players aren't coming back to a bad culture. Mm -hmm. So I don't see how you can return all those guys and think that things are just going off the rails. No, I 100% agree there. Well, let's talk a little bit about Twitter then. That's how we met each other. And that's how so many other Husker fans meet each other is, is on the social media. And if you look out there on Twitter right now, there's the Husker optimists and the Husker realists, and they, they butt heads. It's, it's a versus kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of have my own feelings here on this and how you're going to answer, but I guess, where do you see yourself in the grand scheme of, of Husker fandom? Well, I'm an optimist in life in general, and I'm definitely an optimistic sports fan. It's funny because of any negative comment that I've ever received on Twitter, it's always about me being optimistic. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, what a horrible quality to have, right? <laughs> being a positive person. Yeah. But that's also the one thing that kind of gets under my skin is because I think people pair optimism with naivety. Mm-hmm. And that's not what it is. It truly is just that I always hope that the Huskers will win. And I always think they have a chance, mm-hmm. even if I might know it's not a very good chance. <laughs> Like, why play the games if not? Why watch? Why be a fan? If you're counting them out before it starts or you're going to bail on the first failed bubble screen, what's the point? (laughs) Yeah. And if you're going to root for the team not to do well so that some preconceived notion you have, oh, I that coach should be fired. So if his position room doesn't do well, then, then, you know, maybe he'll be fired. If you're rooting against things happening, I just, I can't, I don't understand that. Mac brings that up all the time on the show yeah, where he's like, you know, there's some fans that are on Twitter. He's like, I would never watch a game with you. Whoever that right. is. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. <they> all- <laughs> I don't like to watch games with hardly anyone. Um, I actually prefer <laughs> to watch games by myself, which is mm-hmm. kind of weird, but um, yeah, no, I definitely wouldn't want to watch games with them. We did a public service announcement called suit S O O T stay off of Twitter And that was some advice that we gave to people who felt the need to tweet at players and recruits. And you know what I mean when we say tweet them, because we have, you know, there's lots of times where people will tweet something nice to someone, you know, hey, great catch at someone, right? Mm -hmm. But now, you know, I had to send out today a Twitter 101 message, (laughs) and it was to people that are responding to that nice tweet. Somebody sends a, a tweet out that says, great catch, and there's a photo of the guy making a catch, and then someone responds to it. 
with the player tagged in it and starts to say things like, well, that guy doesn't do that in a game or, or, you know, they won't use them like that. And you're on Twitter. Like I am, you get to see it all. What goes through your mind when you're seeing that stuff? Yeah, definitely not an eye roll in the world big enough for it, but I just can't imagine being at a place in my adult life where I'm like, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to log on to social media right here. I'm going to tweet this college kid that he ruined my Saturday and tell him I hope he steps on a Lego. Like, I don't get it. I will never understand it. And I think that most players and most people see that and know that they're the vocal minority. Mm -hmm. Right. The people that are saying this are probably insane in in real life, too. Mm -hmm. And most sports fans want success for every player on their team. And I and I think that they know that. But sometimes you see it and you're just like, man, not again. (laughs) Why? I mean, do you think does Twitter represent Husker Nation or is it such a small fraction of it that it's, it's hard to. Because that's the thing. You see something that makes you want to shake your head when you see a Husker fan do it. But, you know, that Twitter 101 tweet I sent out, the first response I got was from an Ohio State podcast that retweeted it and said, praise Jesus. Yeah, you know, because they see the exact same thing in their world. Like, it's not alone to us that only our fans are doing it. Right. Well, you guys kind of know that I just did a March Madness bracket to Mm -hmm. raise money for Team Jack. And that was one of the coolest things I've ever done. So it's like some of the really positive things and the cool things I've been able to do on Twitter makes me feel like, wow, Husker Nation is so great. Mm -hmm. And Husker fans are the best and they'll do anything. And then some days I'm like, man, (laughs) why? (laughs) So I don't know. I, I mean, I do think that a lot of times we're probably represented as we should be. Like we're passionate and loyal to a fault. And that's how we come across on Twitter. So it's probably fair. I took a little of my thunder. I'll talk about the team Jack thing at, towards the end here. Cause I think it's super cool, but oh, you sorry. know what? Well, no, be, because you know what the reality is I'm probably now being kind of the negative guy, just in the questions I'm asking right now, for me, a little bit, of this is I'm our Twitter guy. Right. So I'm been beat down with, you know, I, we try to be oh, this yeah. positive voice too. And the reality is, is most fans, they just want to see the program get back to where it was. That's all they want. And the younger fans have never seen it there. We, we just want them to be able to see and feel what it was like to experience that catch in Missouri, to experience right. the other games that, you know, people of, of my generation and older were used to seeing. And by the way, I've never hesitated or thought twice about the coaches that we have in here. And this was kind of the next question I was going to have coach Frost, coach Hoiberg, uh, A.D. Moose, uh, you know, if I throw out some support for them, we'll inevitably get people that write a snarky thing back. But I'm ecstatic right now with the leadership we have. I just the wins haven't come yet, but I, I see the progress. I see the positivity. And I think that, you know, we have the right people in place. Do you see that? Not with the wins and losses, but are you happy with where we're at as a program right now overall? Yeah, absolutely. My family has a video somewhere and I don't know who has it. And I'm kind of glad that I haven't seen it, but I was legitimately crying when Scott Frost got hired. (laughs) So um, I was beyond happy and still am. And even though now, like you said, when you say that people are immediately like, well, then obviously you're stupid. (laughs) You haven't been watching what's going on for the last three years, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot more to it than that. Right. Because what we wanted and what we saw in 2017 and in some Mm -hmm. of the years before that was not where we wanted the program that we love to be not a program that felt representative of the Nebraska that we all wanted. So 
to bring in Scott Frost and Fred Hoiberg and Will Bolt. And I mean, I feel like any of the higher, any of the coaching hires made in the last five years or so I've been absolutely on board with and really excited about and still am. Yeah. You know, you, you said you teared up when coach Frost was hired. I, I cried when Riley was hired and you know, I cried most of the three years there. And for the people that say we're not better than we were three years ago, I get it. I understand where they're coming from. You can look at the records and the records look similar, but if you just look at the football and I'll stay, I'll just stay specific to football, not go into the other sports right now with that, but in football, we're playing teams a lot more competitively. We're a lot better, but it's cleaning up errors. And I know that's something coach Produsco just said today. Other Hold players, on to the damn ball. There you go. I mean, it's simple, but yet, you know, if we don't do it, we're, we lose games sometimes that we shouldn't, but uh, I see the guys, they're so much bigger, faster, stronger. So the things that Frost wanted to do, I think it's, it's a transition. It took time to get to this point, but this is an important season. You, you hear it from the players, you hear it from the coaches. It is an important season, but I'm I'm really excited for it. I don't, I don't feel like we're coming off of three losing seasons. I feel like we have a team ready to, to go out there and play some good ball. Yeah, I hope so. Well, you are also a huge Husker baseball fan. You sent out some photos the other week. What was it like to be at Hawks Field a couple of weekends ago uh, to see a Husker game live again in person? Oh, it was so fun. I think I smiled the rest of the day. It felt like I don't, and I'm super spoiled and got to go to a couple of football games and I've got like, I've been at a few things, but this felt like I was like, we're back. Like mm-hmm. we're doing things again. We're seeing people. I don't even like people, but I want to hug them. Like, <laughs> it felt so good to be back. That's awesome. And obviously, you know, baseball right now, they're, uh, are they in first place or they were in first they're place in first and then they- because Maryland beat Michigan. So Michigan would have okay. went back ahead of us, but then Maryland beat them today. Yeah. I went to Columbus for Easter and I was kind of out of it over the weekend. You know, like I saw that we were in first place after Friday night and then we lost one, then we won one, but yep. regardless, we are definitely in the conversation. Uh, Dave and Boomer are kind of our baseball experts on the show. And, you know, this is a weird year where you didn't play non-conference games. RPI is going to be all weird, but their general consensus was, if we're somewhere in the top three or four of the conference, they felt that we would at least be in the conversation for postseason. No guarantees, but in the conversation. And right now, I mean, if we're at first or tied for first or second place, that's a pretty good spot to be sitting. Yeah, I think we definitely have looked like one of the better teams in the conference so far, too. I mean, the offense, especially, you can't count them out of any game. And it's hard to say with the stupid big 10 and how we didn't play non-conference and now, and there isn't a conference tournament. So it's hard to say how many bids they'll get. So I'm hopeful, but I'm nervous because I'm like, watch it come down to us in third place. And then no tournament because of the big 10. Because of the big 10, we had basketball tournament indoors in the big right. 10. And right. two months later, you know, when we can't when play baseball outside. Yeah, outside, when we've had yeah. more people getting vaccines and yada, yada, yep. all that stuff, the Texas Rangers yep. have a full house of baseball <laughs> right. fans. Apparently we can't have a, a, a baseball tournament. It's just, it drives you crazy. Yeah. Truly. Um, you know, I started really as a baseball fan, very late. Uh, Dave actually got it got me into it back in the college years. And for us, that was when Van Horn was here. Yeah. And so I, Dave was literally spoon feeding me baseball, teaching me stuff that, you know, at a very rudimentary level when I was 21, 22. And those are the first years that we started winning, getting to super regionals and then getting to the world series. 
he would explain to me a lot about what was going on with Van Hornball, how Van Horn was so aggressive. We are trying to steal bases. We are going to put pressure on the, the opponents. Van Horn is a college coach, not a pro coach. So you treat it differently. And I'm looking at Bolt right now. And I mean, we just had a guy steal home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like yeah, I completely agree. Completely. It's fun baseball to watch. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's really fun. And it's funny because when he was first hired, I think there was kind of on Twitter, like we were talking about the kind of two subsets of people that there was. There was a bigger people that said, don't bring in somebody just because they're from Nebraska, go get a big name. I don't know. I was Will Bolt all the way. Mm-hmm. I think he's a perfect fit here and I like the style of baseball that we're playing. He was my number one guy because Childress, a lot of people wanted Childress, but he was already making close to a million at Texas A&M. It's like, <laughs> right, yeah. well, you're going to have to pay him 1.2 or whatever, just yeah. even get him to want to come over here. Why would he do that? But I've always said with coaches, they don't have to be from Nebraska, but no. if all things are equal between two people and one of them has Nebraska ties, yeah, I'd go for that any day, you know? And, and yep. you look at what we have right now, actually across the board, I mean, Amy Williams, Frost, Bolt, you know, probably I'm sure I'm missing a couple, but we do have some Husker alums that are in those positions now, but they're well qualified. They didn't just get it because they, you know, have a Nebraska degree. Right. I'm going to ask you a question here. You can only go to three Husker sporting events. They have to be different sports. So you can't just say, I'm going to go to triple header of baseball for the weekend. You can go to three sporting events. Which ones do you choose? Okay. So I have some qualifying questions, first of all. (laughs) Okay. So is it like, so it's one game each. So when the Huskers make the college world series, that counts as one. That's one game. Yes. You can go to Perfect. one college okay. world series game. Yep. Oh no. I want to go to like the whole college. World oh, the, series. oh, sure. Oh, I get what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, so absolutely. That, I want that to count as one. Just absolutely. The yes. Okay. Perfect. So the college world series, when the Huskers make the college world series. Okay. Um, so I, I think that's number one. Because when I was trying to answer, I'm like, okay, then that's the first thing I thought of, which kind of makes me sad because I feel like it should be football. I don't think it was. (laughs) So then we'll say a Big Ten championship for football. I'm going realistic there. Mm -hmm. People are going to like that. I didn't go positive and say natty. (laughs) Um, One more different sport. Can I do no sit Sunday again? Yeah, if you want to go back in time, I guess that would even be one there. Yeah. Okay, perfect. I want to do No Sit Sunday over again. Uh, no Sit Sunday was amazing. That was, we were sitting about the top row and it didn't matter. Any we were row. Too. Yeah, any yep. row was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to a College World Series game with Nebraska. I think we lost, I think it was Cal State Fullerton, if I remember. Yeah. I, I had to think about this one. And for me, the non negotiables, football, would be my number one. Number two is Nebraska ball. I grew up on both of those. Number three for me, like I said, baseball, I grew up late in and volleyball. I was late in mm-hmm. and it's somewhere between there. If I had to choose between the two, and this was a tough one, I think, and, and I'm going to do what you did here. I'm going to just say volleyball final four, like to go, I okay. want to be at okay. Omaha for the final four and watch Nebraska win it all there where they won it all one at least one other time if not two times i think but now i feel jealous that i didn't pick volleyball but we are a volleyball school and right uh, <laughs> right <laughs> that's become more than obvious here yeah and thank goodness for volleyball over the last 15 years truly uh, we've needed that and bowling too <laughs> boomer yeah. brings up bowling a lot you know? <laughs> Funny. and i people on twitter bring up wrestling to me a lot too mm-hmm. Cause I'm not a wrestling fan and I'm very much a Husker fan of all sports, but mm-hmm. I, I forget about wrestling cause I just don't understand it or watch it. So <laughs> that's my bad. 
I've never wrestled. I, shocking if you look at me. And I have no concept of the scoring. Like, I, yeah, it's, I don't either. I'm like, why, why did he get a point just then? It looked like he was on his ass. Not a clue. <laughs> I don't understand it. But I know that the Big Ten is really good at it. There was one yes. point this year where I think the Big Ten had 10 of the top 20 teams in wrestling, Jeez. including one, two, and three, which we were number three in the country. I watched us play Iowa and they were number one and Iowa who ended up, yeah, they won the title. And Mm -hmm. somebody asked me, they're like, do you think Nebraska, could they win the national championship? I go, no, we can finish two. I've seen Iowa. We're not going to beat them. (laughs) Right. We could could conceivably finish two. I don't know the scoring, but yeah, I'm with you here though. If it says Husker somewhere on the uniform, I'm going to root for it regardless of the sport. Yep. The only time that's ever come into question is I think our rifle team one time beat army and we were like, oh, is that good? Yeah, like, should yeah. we be- Do we want to be army? <laughs> like, yep. I mean, country over Huskers sometimes. I don't know. I mean, it, this yeah. is, you know, the tough questions that we have to go through. Right. Well, before we end this, make, I, I did want to give you a huge shout out and you brought it up a little bit earlier for something you did last month. It was uh, we on the redcast, we've supported team Jack in the past on different events. Um, but like Husker fans everywhere, we were devastated to hear the news of, of Andy Hoffman. And you took your Twitter celebrity and, and really used it to good use and, and also showed the positivity that comes with Twitter and, and the great fan base that we have. Tell us a little bit more about what you did and, and what uh, that accomplished, what you were able to, to give to Team Jack as a result. Yeah, so honestly, it was just a random idea that I had to do a bracket to raise money for a cause and decided to go with team Jack. And, um, first thing I did was said, okay, well, we need some prizes And every single person that I approached about donating something. Every single person said, yep, sure. What do you want? Here you go. Cause that's what Nebraskans do. And, um, so that was really cool and got all of that set up and was like, Oh, if I can get a hundred people to join, or if I can raise a thousand dollars, that'd be awesome. And we ended up raising $2,000 and had, I think we had like 115 total brackets, but so many people gave more money or bought more brackets or so it was Mm. really cool. That is so cool. And, And again, I mean, what a, what an amazing organization they are and what an amazing family the Hoffmans are there and, and how it's just no family should have to go through what they've had to go through now on multiple times, but uh, it's great to see the response of things that you did there and what Husker nation did. Uh, you know, that brings the positivity back to, we talked a little bit earlier about Twitter and some of the, the negative stuff, though so that's one of the, those positive moments. And, and it brought a huge smile to my face to see that. I can tell you that. Well, as is tradition on the Redcast, uh, we like to give our, our guests the final word. So uh, Meg, the floor is yours. Yeah, we have got Coach Burdu coming on to interview for Poppin' Kernels tomorrow. Um, we've recorded a few things for Poppin' Kernels so far, but just haven't released anything yet. But it will be coming. Um, I'm going to finish my red beer and go to bed. All right, Redcasters. Well, follow Meg at Hot Mess Husker. Uh, follow the Poppin' Kernels uh, podcast at kernels popping the other way around you said what popping kernels was was taken right was taken so we did at kernels popping (laughs) and also follow kylie at kylie fay that's k-y-l-e-i-g-h-f-a-y-e follow all three of them it's going to be a great show i can't wait to listen to it uh thank you so much meg thank you for having me it was fun and now around the van horn all right, we are doing a Round the Van Horn segment, which seems more appropriate uh, now that Will Bolt is the, the coach of the Huskers, and uh, they take two of three in Champagne from the Fighting Illini. 
And, uh, Boomer, these guys are, are looking pretty sharp out there, even with all their scruffy beards, right? Well, true, and we have just the thing uh, to try to prevent scruffy beards with our uh, sponsor, the uh, Bad Beard Gang. Uh, deliver a lot of high-quality products, uh, styling balms, mustache wax, good creams. You know, it's important for any of us that are fond of facial hair, like a lot of us in the Red Cast are. Uh, got to take care of that, especially as spring becomes summer. You're going to be out more. Got to take care of your skin and skin and hair, and you've got some quality products there to do it. Uh, I also suggested last week, Consider the safety razor, a good uh, beard comb is something everybody with uh, facial hair needs for styling. All available there with Bad Beard Gang and a promo code GBR21 for 10% off your first order. All right, all right. I like that. That was good, Boomer. That was very professional. Uh, Absolutely. Well, maybe someone like uh, Chance Roach or Mojo Haggy, any of those guys that have sport in the uh, facial hair could... uh, Use the Bad Beard Gang, but um, I, I I love this baseball team right now, Hunk. Uh, they are um, gritty, just like Will Bolt wants them to be. They do a lot of grit plays, and um, you know they are giving up a little bit, of, a few too many runs um, right now. But uh, the offense always seems to have an, an answer there, where um, they always can. Uh, even in their losses, still post, say, eight runs, for example, on mm-hmm. their, their loss there. So um, it's going to be a, a fun season to, to track these guys throughout. Yeah, I know we've started a couple games a little slow at times, but no lead is safe against us right now because we can put up a lot of points. And, look, some of that is that we're, you know, we hit it, but you know what? We're also we're aggressive on the baselines. We stole home. That's right. I, mean, I haven't seen Nebraska do that probably since Van Horn. You talked about last week, Dave, you know, that Bolt comes from college, not from pros, and it's a little bit more of an aggressive uh, attitude uh, to bring to the to the team. And I love it. It's fun to watch, and we just find ways to try to manufacture runs if we're just not hitting it out of the park. And it's just fun to watch. It, we, I think we also had a in-the-park uh, home run even, too. Inside the ballpark home run. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, right. And, but, and we also have the power to hit the thing out of the park at the same time. So, um, they just find ways to score runs right now. And, um, that's, that's great. And that's, uh, top to bottom, one through nine. You seem like we're getting some production, uh, at any, any point you might have, uh, a rally started. So it's, uh, it's an exciting round of, of baseball and it's effective right now. It's putting them at the top of the standings in the Big Ten. And that, that's, over Michigan, who is still ranked in the D1 baseball pool. I believe they're 23rd. Uh, Indiana has slipped back a little bit uh, with a few losses. Uh, Ohio State, though, has, has, has risen up. and We already have a couple of wins versus Ohio State. So um, it's a competitive Big Ten. The uh, The RPI is, is not bad for Nebraska. I just checked that this uh, morning. I think we're 74th in the Warren Nolan RPI ahead of Michigan, uh, behind Ohio State and Iowa. Um, and so we've got got some wins there on, on that board. And we have Maryland. The Terps are coming to Lincoln this weekend. I don't know what the weather's going to be like, but hopefully there's three good games there um, at Haymarket Park. And you get a Friday night game, too, at uh, versus Maryland. So that should be an exciting time at Hawksfield. Yeah, they had moved several of the games to Friday night after attendance uh, was allowed. So that's a, a nice perk. I think it's supposed to be pretty good weather this weekend, 60s. And uh, didn't Maryland just beat Michigan? They did. They did. They had one of those three-team 
uh, one location or four team, one location type round robin. And uh, I think they lost one and took one from Maryland. Yeah, that's correct. It's still a, still a series Nebraska should win and probably needs to win just to kind of keep pace. Like you said, Ohio State is kind of surging. I mean, they just, what, I think they took four from Indiana, if I remember correctly, seeing the stats go by. So yeah. that's, you know, the Buckeyes are no slouch, really. So there's something we have to watch for. Yeah, and Maryland was one of those teams listed in the top six preseason. So they were expected to do well. Um, so I wouldn't sleep on these guys at all. I mean, you really just need to Really, you know, a home series, you definitely want to win the series, obviously, but you should be fine with two out of three. If you sweep, that'd be great. But um, it's going to be a, a a marathon here over the next, you know, six, seven weeks of Big Ten play. You know, Huskers are 13 and five. That's 18 games. I believe that means they have 26 games left or something like that. Um, so there's a lot of baseball to be played here. It's far too early to be celebrating just because you're on the top of the standings right now. And uh, every weekend, uh, you're going to need to try to win that series. Can we celebrate a little, Dave? I mean, it's been a long time. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> Sometimes we just like, you know, just nice to actually think we have a competitive men's sport team out there, right? And I think, <laughs> I think they've got that one down right now. Let's hopefully they can keep it up. You know, at the beginning of this season, I want to say it was after maybe just the first weekend of, of ball, we were ranked number one in the country in fielding percentage. Is how are we doing right now on that? Because we've talked so much about offensively, but are we kind of staying up there somewhere in the top ten, top fifteen, or you know, has that fallen off? Yes, yeah, so okay. Actually, we're still fifth in a uh, fielding percentage at a uh, nine eighty four. Well, actually, it kind of ties us with third technically if you look at the numbers. So, and that's nationally. That's nationally correct. No, that, that's great. Now, I think you actually see that uh, when you have someone like Spencer Schwalmbach on the mound because you have a shortstop. Um, closing out a game, and, and he had a couple instances this weekend where he, uh, I think he turned a double play, you know, and he, he can make a, a very athletic infielder-type play off the mound, and uh, those are the type of things where you get um, some, some easier outs where if maybe you don't have a pitcher that's quite so skilled uh, fielding the ball, you might have that going up the middle, right? And so mm-hmm. uh, those it all adds up, and right now they're just playing a, a good brand of, of baseball. All right, guys. Uh, well, I am looking forward to the weekend series. I do have BTM Plus, and I've been watching all the Husker baseball games. Some of them have been early in the in the um, mornings on Saturdays and Sundays, uh, but it is a, a nice perk there. And uh, I know there hasn't been a lot of Big Ten baseball, if, if any, on regular BTN. I think that's going to change here as basketball now fades out. So hopefully everyone gets to see Nebraska baseball play a little bit more. But um, from what I've seen, uh, they're a, a fun squad to watch. All right, guys, um, let's get out of here with some parting shots. Let's start with Honky. First, I want to say congrats, even in loss. I want to say congrats to Jordan Burroughs, the great Husker wrestler. Uh, he lost uh, his chance to get to the Olympics uh, this year, but the guy is just pure class. Uh, he tweeted this out after – Losing, he goes, this road has been long and difficult. I'm going to take some time away to reflect and rebuild. This isn't the end for me. Thanks to everyone for their support. Congratulations to all this year's Olympians. So uh, the dude is a champion on and off the wrestling mat, and he has uh, been a great alum for Nebraska wrestling. Uh, another alum that I want to give a shout-out to is Barry Alvarez, the Wisconsin athletic director. He has um, retired, and you know, obviously what he's done – 
at the University of Wisconsin. What he's done in Madison is just amazing. He has flipped that entire athletic program single-handedly really around over the course of the last 30 years. Uh, not just as a football coach, he was there for 16 seasons, had a 120 wins, 73 losses, four ties, and he was inducted into the uh, 2010 class of the College Football Hall of Fame. You see Alvarez, and there's so many similarities between him and Devaney, and I think he really modeled himself off of Devaney, obviously played for him, uh, him here, and was a 1968 graduate at Nebraska. So anyways, congratulations uh, to uh, Barry Alvarez. All right, uh, Boomer, what do you got for me? I just wanted to give a shout-out to sort of a Nebraska alum, a former men's basketball coach, Tim Miles, on his new job at the San Jose State Spartans basketball. So I know he's coming from the uh, you know land of milk and honey that uh, Nebraska ball was when it comes to success. Uh, San Jose State is no stranger to, to rough times. I think they, what, only had one 10-win season or more in the last decade or so. So It'll, it'll be an interesting to see what kind of a job he does there, but uh, hey, he's got to do better than what they had, so good luck to you, Tim, and I think you got a good one there, San Jose. Yeah, I think Tim Miles could do well there, hopefully. Uh, Mac? Uh, yeah, i just like to, to leave this show, once again, imploring the athletic department to just open up a practice. Five bucks. I'll come. Yep. You know, a practice where they scrimmage. It, it'd be If we were trying to make some money and fuse downtown, I promise I'll have a two-drink minimum. <laughs> some wings and watch practice. I promise I will do that. I think I could I could get at least ten thousand of my friends to come with me. I betcha. <laughs> so let's let's get her done. It does seem pretty simple, right, Mac? Yeah. Yeah. You could even maybe have some some recruits happen to show up to those uh practices as well, right? I'm your guy. Get them by me. I got stuff <laughs> to say. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Good stuff. Enjoyed the breakdown. We'll be talking defense next week. For now, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. Go Big Red. Here we are. A Huda Media Production.